unique thing about hysotripsy is that A, it doesn't require heat, and B, it also is a non-invasive way to treat these tumors. What is histiotripsy, and what does this clinical trial mean for treating osteosarcoma in dogs? Find out from surgical oncologist Dr. Joanne Tui on this episode of Tripod Talk Radio. And scratching like a three-legged dog. For any tripod, cat or dog. Why do some vets do things that way? Why? So many people don't realize that their dogs are in pain. He's a three-legged dog and he's still pretty good. Hello and welcome to Tripod Talk Radio episode 110. You can watch the video version of this and all episodes on the Tripod's YouTube channel. You know, we're always excited to share news about cutting edge treatments for canine osteosarcoma and other limb cancers, especially those proving successful as an alternative to amputation. So today we're thrilled to learn about histiotripsy. That's a new non-invasive tumor treatment currently in clinical trial at the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. And we have assistant professor and board certified surgical oncologist, Dr. Joanne Tui, to tell us all about it. Thank you for joining us, doctor. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hi, Dr. Tui. This is Renee here, and I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you about this. I read an article about your work and can't wait to share it with more people so that hopefully you can get some patients enrolled in the uh, clinical trial that's going on. Um, but first, if you could uh, give us a little bit of background about the current state of uh, canine osteosarcoma treatments, um, both for pets and people. Uh, I know that um, you know there hasn't been a lot of breakthroughs lately other than immunotherapy, but if... Um, you could tell us how close we're getting to a, a treatment that actually might be able to stop it. Um, that would be great. I'd love to hear all about it. Yeah. So, um, so you're, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, there haven't been major developments in um, osteosarcoma treatments that extended survival in, in a significant way um, for a long time. Of course, as you mentioned, there are things on the horizon, say for dogs. So in immunotherapies, um, I think that's very exciting. And, and for, um, you know, for a long time now, for both people and dogs, uh, the traditional treatments have been um, twofold. So the approaches are to A, resect the primary tumor, and then B, um, having to slow down metastatic disease or um, eradicate it. And unfortunately, as with most solid tumors in both, in both our veterinary patients and in, in humans, metastatic cancer is often, unfortunately, um, the cause of death. And so that's, that's a very large area of um, research. And that's an obstacle that if we can overcome, uh, would provide great benefits for, for extending survival. And so that's what the immunotherapeutics, um, a lot of them are, are targeting is to be able to, um, to control metastatic disease. And in osteosarcoma, we've got a unique situation, um, especially in our canine patients, where um, a lot of these dogs that suffer from the disease are large breed dogs and giant breed dogs. And historically, we have had limb salvage surgery options that are available for our canine patients, but they are limited um, in 
first of all, the location where the tumor is. So they're only amenable for patients usually with um, tumors in the distal radius. So if a patient's got a tumor elsewhere, then limb salvage options, surgical limb salvage options don't tend to be um, possible. Um, or uh, unless there is some, there is some very individual, unique, um, custom-made implants that, that get designed. Um, but not in general, not a standard of care. And in people, limb salvage is, is a very common surgery. And so it is often undertaken, but in, in some human patients as well, amputation is still necessitated. Um, and especially um, in, in areas of the world where perhaps um, uh, amputation may be more of a realistic option for patients versus um, limb salvage surgeries. So, so for our canine patients um, who are uh, large and giant breed dogs, they, even though they are still very amenable to removal of their tumor um, in, in canines, specifically by a limb amputation, it would be lovely if we can get to a point where we have limb salvage options that are more um, generally applicable to our dogs who are suffering from this cancer. Um, there are a subset of dogs with um, very severe neurologic or orthopedic disease who may not be appropriate candidates for limb amputation. And so those dogs certainly would benefit from a good option as well. And so, um, so I think all of these things combined um, really speak for the need uh, for advances in, in therapy for osteosarcoma. So not only for the primary tumor, um, but also for metastatic disease. And that's how we can, A, improve the treatment options we have um, for our patients, but also extend the survival. Oh, we would love to see mm -hmm. that. We never, ever want to see any dog have to lose a leg to this disease. Um, our own dog lost his leg to it. And that's oh, why no. we, he did. Yeah. That's actually why we started tripods. Um, our, our Jerry lost a leg and, but he, uh, he had the tumor up in his scapula. So like you were saying, you know, even if limb sparing was an option for him, um, he, we couldn't have done it because of where the tumor was. Um, now I know that, um, you're working on a, on a treatment called histiotripsy, and I would love for you to give us some background on it because I had never heard of it before. And now you have this clinical trial going on. So I'd love to uh, spread the word and be able to tell more people about it. So if you could fill us yeah. in, that'd be great. Yes. No, thank you. Um, so this histiotripsy is a, um, it's a very, very new technique. So um, it is a technique that is uh, what we call a tumor ablation technique. And it uses these highly specialized focused ultrasound waves to essentially disintegrate the tumor cells. So it's a mechanical disintegration. Um, there are ablative techniques out there that have been explored for a long time for various cancers. Um, and a lot of these techniques so far have been dependent on heat ablation. So killing tumor cells with heat. Um, 
versus histotripsy is one of the kind of the newer generation of tumor ablation techniques that do not require heat to kill tumor cells, which has its advantages because um, the heat can sometimes potentially also be a limiting factor in that we have to preserve some critical structures that, that shouldn't be destroyed by, by heat in the region. And so, um, so the unique thing about histotripsy is that A, it doesn't require heat, and B, it also is a non-invasive way to treat these tumors. Um, just like when you and I go in for an ultrasound and we have an ultrasound probe that's placed on us. So in a similar fashion, histotripsy relies on delivery of these ultrasound waves with, um, with a, a, an ultrasound probe, except this ultrasound probe is highly specialized and very customized to deliver these, these ultrasound waves that create these, um, we call them little bubble clouds in the tissue. And it's because of the, of the mechanics of having these ultrasound waves, these bubble clouds get, um, these little bubbles get produced and then they coalesce into a big bubble cloud and ultimately they um, disintegrate and, and in, into themselves and they destroy the, mechanically destroy the tissue. That's and this there. is able to target the tumor and, and do that sort of action without damaging surrounding bone? Yeah. So, um, you know, again, it's very new and we, we, that's why we're investigating it. Um, it actually, the, the technology started at the university of Michigan, I believe. And, um, and so there to demonstrate the, the precision of how they can target lesions with histotripsy, there is a short little video that was released by the investigators um, to demonstrate that by showing how um, the histotripsy could draw out an M for Michigan um, and be very be precise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to 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 create an area of ablation that in the in the form of a letter M. So that's how precise very this precise. technology can be, and so that's why it's um, it's exciting because we potentially could um, could really target only treating the tumor, um, much like um, very highly specialized um, ablation techniques as well. For example, radiation treatment um, has advanced to that level as well, where they can be very precise. So uh, our hope is to be able to develop histotripsy to that point where it's precisely kills these tumor cells. And also, um, we are starting studies to, to investigate how structurally affected the bone is by the ablation, because there's always the, the risk of fracture occurring after we ablate a tumor, say even with radiation, when we treat, um, say some of these osteosarcomas can be treated with radiation. And if they get treated with radiation therapy, there, there can be a risk of uh, fracture occurring afterwards because of the decrease in the integrity of the bone in that region. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we've got several um, avenues of investigation into this very new technique uh, with the hopes of being able to use it not only to have a non-invasive way to treat the primary tumor and osteosarcoma, but also with uh, immune upregulation 
uh, with the treatment as well. So um, in previous, so in, in early studies, so these are kind of more basic science studies with hysotripsy, um, there have been a strong suggestion that the hysterotripsy treatment itself can potentially help to activate the immune system such that it can recognize the tumor and also act as a form of immunotherapeutic. Um, and so that's been very exciting. And, and in Spain currently, there it's, um, I believe it's the first of its kind um, hysterotripsy clinical trial in people. And that is to treat liver cancers um, in people using histotripsy. And they've got some very promising preliminary results, uh, not only for ablating the, the tumor itself in the liver, but also in how it affects um, other, liver other liver tumors in the same person um, that got the ablation, but the other tumors weren't ablated. And in one of these patients, uh, one of the tumors had started to regress. But these are very early uh, results, you know, but that's where the, the premise that this potentially could be an immunotherapeutic um, would be really um, exciting because it can, then can target both avenues of treatment, treating the primary tumor and treating metastatic disease. And so oh, I love that. It's like a, a two yeah. for one deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yep. I love it. But I'm curious, where do the cancer cells go when they're ablated? So they essentially, they're no longer structurally um, intact. So it's, <gasps> it's cellular debris at that point. Oh. Um, and so they remain in the site and then um, the, the body's own mechanisms will eventually kind of quote unquote clean up that area. Just absorb them and circulate yeah. them and, and ablate them, like you like you say. That is pretty cool. So the the ultrasound, um, what does the device look like? Does it just lay on the skin like a normal ultrasound machine? Right, uh, you say non-invasive, yeah. so there's no surgery and it's a just an exterior device. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So you're right. It's it's like a probe, like we you see the ultrasound probe on our skin. Uh, this is a little bit different because um, it is the because of the way it's a very specialized probe um, in order to allow the ultrasound waves because the probe itself can't quite sit on the skin directly so in order to allow the ultrasound waves to travel to the skin we actually have uh, this water um, that is acts as an interface for the where there's this highly specialized ultrasound probe, it delivers its, all its ultrasound waves through the water. The water actually has been degassed, so the gas, the air has been taken out of it because ultrasound waves don't travel well through air. And so um, the, the water is degassed, the ultrasound waves travel through the water, and the water is what sits right next to the skin. And then so that allows the ultrasound waves to travel through the water and, and then travel and then hit the skin and go to the tumor. Because if you just put it in the air, ultrasound waves just don't travel well through air. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. And for tumors that have really integrated with the bone and degraded some of that bone, could this technology be used in conjunction with the new you know, bone cements that are out there and or traditional plating? 
Yeah, so um, that's a great question. So I think what you're referring to is cementoplasty. Yes. Is that yes. what you're talking about? Yes. Um, so, yeah, so that is definitely an avenue of investigation that um, I foresee as a potential avenue as we get further along in this whole evaluation of histotripsy is, you know, first at this point, um, at this stage of our evaluations, we are evaluating um, just some answering some basic questions. What does the what does the histotripsy do to the osteosarcoma tumor cells? What does it do to the immune system? And then as we are advancing more in our investigations, we will be starting some biomechanical studies uh, to investigate what it, what it does to affect the in integrity of the bone that gets ablated. And then eventually some kinds of bone replacement techniques or the space replacement techniques. So one of these would be cementoplasty where there's bone cement being added um, to the area to, to help it be more structurally sound. Um, and you mentioned implants. So that could be on the horizon. Typically, um, it, may be, it, it may be an area that um, is, is um, interesting to investigate. There have been um, some studies in the past um, exploring supporting these limbs that have been radiated you know, the legs with osteosarcoma, uh, radiation was performed that killed the osteosarcoma cells, but then rendered the, the limb quite weak. And so there have been, um, there have been clinicians who have looked at uh, play, prophylactically placing implants, um, but that has been challenging um, in so far as uh, there, there appears to be more complications with doing that. Um, so that is currently not the standard of care. We don't place implants after we radiate um, a site typically. Of course, there are, always, there are always exceptions in medicine, but in general, that's not something we would advocate for, or at least I would advocate for. Um, mm -hmm. But perhaps uh, one never knows, you know, keeping an open mind in, um, in research and, and, and trying to forge new ways, I think that's always key. That's good to know. Listeners can check the show notes for a link to our recent episode where we discussed cementoplasty in detail. Do you remember the name of the BioCeraVet product that's um, just come out in Europe and it's supposed to be released here soon? Listeners can check the show notes for our recent episode with BioCeraVet to learn more about cementoplasty. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if if histiotripsy, so when, when a dog is receiving the treatment, do they get any other treatments concurrently, like a bisphosphonate or anything like that? Yes. So if histiotripsy does become, uh, as I hope, to be a standard of care therapy in the future, then most certainly I think that um, adjuvant treatments like bisphosphonates can be, can be used at the same time. And, you know, of course, everything um, has to be um, evaluated first um, because any new treatment that comes out, we have to make sure there are no um, adverse interactions and things like that. But mm -hmm. I definitely foresee it. I think cancer in general, um, I would never say never because you know the that's um, that's usually 
uh, doesn't hold true, but I think that cancer is in general a disease that requires multimodal treatment. So I don't think that there can um, foreseeably, at least right now, be a one silver bullet that you know we're going to do this to treat the cancer and that's the only treatment. I think that there are always going to be multiple adjunctive therapies that can be used at the same time and in cancer. And so um, certainly that scenario where perhaps histotripsy can be a limb salvage option, um, certainly bisphosphonates um, can be considered in that setting as well. Oh, that's exciting. Um, I, I really like the fact that these options are coming out. It's so much better than just getting the news that, you know, amputation or euthanasia is it. And that's the way it was when we started with this journey. I'm curious if you could tell me how you got interested in this therapy. Yeah. So, um, I've, as I've um, gone through my my training and my and my um, clinical time, I've always been interested in ways to um, ablate tumors, and so hoping for for a way to be able to spare patients from needing to have surgeries. And so, um, prior to coming to Virginia Tech, I had been interested in, in other forms of ablative techniques. And then when I came to uh, Virginia Tech, um, I was, you know, very fortunate to, um, to, to have established a great collaboration with our bioengineering colleagues to explore some um, very novel ablation techniques such as histotripsy. And so what captures my um, interest with histotripsy is that it is uh, non-invasive and it's also non-thermal um, and it's not radiation. So as we know, radiation can have side effects just like surgery can have side effects. Of course, will histotripsy have side effects? We don't know yet. It could very well, but um, you know, it's, it's very promising. And so all of those features of histotripsy really captured my attention as, and also the fact that it could potentially stimulate the immune system. It's, it sounds so exciting. And you had a question? Well, you mentioned ablation and thermal and radiation there. So I, I was thinking about electrochemotherapy, which I really thought was fascinating because I saw uh, we got to interview a vet who tested it and showed it the technique mm -hmm. on a tomato. So I wonder with this technique, would you hope to replace chemotherapy or would it be used in conjunction with it? Yeah. So I think that um, in, in my mind, uh, I think that there will there, there's always going to be room for multiple therapies. So even though, say, if we are successful at, at stimulating the immune system um, and having histotripsy act as an immunotherapeutic, I think that um, I'm, I'm not sure if just a sole therapy would be sufficient. Um, I think that being able to target a cancer from various aspects um, probably would be, at least in the near future, um, the way that we continue to treat these cancers. And so um, I, I, I wouldn't, um, I probably wouldn't guess that it would totally replace um, chemotherapy, mm -hmm. but that perhaps there can be, um, you know, synergistic 
effects with chemotherapy such that maybe we don't have to give as much um, potentially. You know, these are all guesses on my part, but um, and and hopes and dreams. But um, yes, any any way to you know reduce we um, reduce treatment in one area, I think is is beneficial in general to patients, just like multimodal pain therapy, where, you know, if we use one pain medication and we, and it has to be given in, in these doses, X doses, um, and it's got its side effects versus if we use multimodal analgesia, multiple different drugs that target different parts of the pain pathway, and it can result in more effective pain management and also reduction in the doses of each drug that gets used. Oh, we know all about multimodal pain management in this community. So you're speaking our our audience's language. Um, You mentioned your colleagues at the uh, Department of Biomedical Engineering. Mm -hmm. Did they actually create and design the device that you're using as the probe for this technique? So the, um, yeah, uh, our biomedical um, engineers, they're, they're really wonderful group of people. Um, my primary uh, collaborator for Histotripsy, my faculty collaborator, he actually came from Michigan and had trained at Michigan and was one of the, I think, the people involved um, very early on with the development of Histotripsy. And so um, here he's got his lab and and so the um, the transducer that that gets used for our veterinary studies, for example, these are um, transducers often that are custom designed and in his lab and 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 manufactured in that sense, so that they're kind of customized for each application. Oh, that's really cool! I just love that he, your colleague in that department, went across the country. To Virginia. So now, I mean, there can be another option for people if they don't live next to, to Michigan or in Michigan. You know, it's nice to know that that the treatment is is going around, so to speak. Oh, yeah, it, it, it certainly is. And yes, it is relatively limited at this time with mm-hmm. with regards to um you know, the availability because it's still in its developmental stages. And so it's, it's really only available, I, I believe, through clinical trial options. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm um, to be supported by um, a number of uh, funding agencies to, to carry out these clinical trials and so be able to um, have these um, have this there have these clinical trials be available for our um, patients as well. So, um, are there pictures available? Can we see it? Let me just make sure. Thank you. Okay, so Ooh, this is like a show and tell. I love it. <laughs> Ooh, look at that! That's like no ultrasound device Whoa. I have ever seen. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So right here in the middle. Um, is a is a traditional just typical imaging probe of an ultrasound, and the purpose of this is okay. that we can then image the treatment as it occurs in real time and actually look at those bubble clouds as they form. Wow! So then all of these, um, so that is just a regular ultrasound imaging transducer, and then this and the rest of this entire device is is custom designed and and made so that. Um, it emits the 
just the right um, frequency of ultrasound waves. That's fascinating. That is really cool. Anybody who's listening on the podcast, you can come over to the episode um, uh, webpage and uh, look at this. We'll put we'll put links to this photo. But I I really appreciate you showing us. I know I didn't ask you to do this ahead of time. So thank you. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, we're we're almost out of time. I would love for you to give our listeners and and viewers um, the the scoop on the the clinical trial. Um, How can they get involved? Yeah, um, thank you. So currently, uh, we have a clinical trial for dogs with suspected osteosarcoma. Um, and this particular trial um, is for owners who have already elected for a limb amputation for their dog. And so the purposes of these um, early studies that we've been doing are to ablate a portion of the tumor um, and then assess our area of ablation to, to see how um, accurate we've been and, and what the, um, to make sure that the histotripsy does indeed destroy the tumor cells. Um, and then also we draw blood samples from our clinical trial dogs over time to, to monitor their immune response as well. And so we've got that um, trial currently open and it is um, for dogs without any evidence of metastatic disease at the time of diagnosis. And this is um, at the minimum based on three view chest radiographs. Um, then we've got uh, another clinical trial that actually will be opening soon. It's not quite open yet, um, but it will be a clinical trial that is a very, very, very early pilot study um, for owners who have elected to not have any standard of care therapy for their dogs. So they've chosen not to do any um, amputation, no radiation, um, and instead they're just um, going to keep their dog at home on palliative care. Mm -hmm. And so for those, for that subset of owners, um, this clinical trial uh, may be of interest to them where we are going to ablate the tumor with histotripsy and then uh, and and there will not be an amputation afterwards so with the hope of um, being able to reduce some of the pain um, through histotripsy so that was something I, I didn't mention uh, before but that is of course an area that's very important for any limb salvage option is that it also reduces the pain or removes the pain. And um, there is a focus ultrasound technique that is a thermal ultrasound technique. It's um, called HIFU. And that actually is used in people for um, pain relief for people with bone tumors. And so I'm hopeful that histotripsy can also offer some pain uh, relief in these patients. And so uh, there will be a clinical trial opening for um, for these, for this subset of dogs to receive histotripsy, and we assess their quality of life after and their pain levels. We'll have links to um, the clinical mm-hmm. trials and keep people updated about the new one in time. But this, real quick, this uh, talk of ablation, tumor ablation, makes me think of one other concern. We interviewed an oncologist years ago who said removal. He had concerns about removal of the primary tumor 
spreading, helping spread metastasis faster. So I'm wondering your thoughts on that and if there's been any further study there. Yeah, so there certainly has been this phenomenon that's being reported that potentially um, removal of a primary tumor could actually, um, as you say, speed up the metastasis. So um, it is, I think it's definitely an area that we do not understand very well. Um, and so I, I think we, we need a lot more data uh, to to establish um, what the effects of that really are, in order to be able to make an uh, an educated decision, you know, is removing the primary tumor um, something that you know is that a mindset we want to readjust? But for the moment, for for our therapy, and especially for a tumor like osteosarcoma, the the pain in and of itself of the bone tumor. Um, essentially, to me as a clinician, necessitates removal of that primary tumor mm -hmm. because leaving the primary tumor in place without any um, really any effective um, way to, uh, to ameliorate that pain with oral pain medications um, alone, I think that um, that, is, that is not something that um, I would feel is medically um, justified in my book anyway, um, to in, in the hopes that maybe it won't um, promote the spread. Mm -hmm. I think we both agree that the, oh, yeah. the, the effects of pain mediation kind of outweigh mm -hmm. you know, spreading yeah. that disease any quicker. Uh, one last question about the clinical trials. Um, do participants have to live in Virginia or a surrounding state? Mm -hmm. No, That's they great. don't. So um, we've had uh, one of our, we've had patients come from Pennsylvania, um, New York, um, oh. Boston, and uh, I even had a had an owner call me from California. She was totally prepared to bring her dog out wow. um, here. So no, we don't. Um, for the current clinical trial that we have, we don't. Um, the only follow up time points that we have for the current trial is blood collection. And as long as they have a clinic near them who's willing to work with us on collecting the blood and, and sending it to us, um, and of course, I, I pay for all the shipping costs, etc., um, then we do not require for um, dogs to live in the area so they can come back to us. But it does sound like the treatment is done at your facility. So they would need to be yes. travel where yes. the equipment is. Right. How many treatments are you doing in the trial? Is it just one and done and studying? Mm -hmm. Just one. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's one wow. treatment before the amputation. And then they, they do have to have their amputation with us uh, so that we can have the tumor. Mm -hmm. afterwards. And okay. um, so, yes, you're, you're absolutely correct. I, I just in my head assume that um, uh, that piece of knowledge. So they do have to, the patients do have to visit us um, once for the treatment and then the limb amputation, and then they can go home. Um, and for subsequent follow-ups where we collect the blood samples, they can get their blood samples sent to us. Wonderful. We wish you the best of luck because yeah. the hopes are that this device proves positive and many of them get produced and distributed and they can eventually enter into the stream of treatments available for osteosarcoma. This is yeah. such an exciting way for people to get in on the ground floor of this treatment and really make a difference in the findings. So thank you so much for being here today and explaining all this to us. This was fascinating. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. And I really enjoyed meeting both of you. Um, I've really loved your website. And oh, I think you're doing great things. Thank you. That means so much to us coming from doctors like you. So please keep up the good work and we will keep listeners informed. Thank you. Wow. Many thanks to Dr. Tui and her colleagues for the fascinating work they're doing. Check the show notes for details about the clinical trials or learn more at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast. Try.